We are one church. We love God, love people, love his mission and love his church. Welcome to the One Church Podcast. Hello, I'm Tom and welcome to the One Church Podcast. Today it's Monday the 6th of February and yesterday, that's Sunday the 5th, we gathered for One Church together. And if you were there, you'll know it was a precious time from our youngest child up to our oldest grown-up. And if you didn't, you can catch up with the whole of our 11.30 service on the One Church YouTube channel. So head there and you could watch the whole service. But today, if you're out and about, at home, however you're tuning in, we're so glad you could join us for the podcast. In Romans 8, we read that we can come to our God and because we have been brought about to an adoption to sonship, we can cry, Abba, Father. Today, let it sink into your heart and would you know again that because of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, every one of us can come to God and cry, Abba, Father. And may you know the love of God closer and deeper today. Coming up now is a message from Josh Smith, spoken at our One Church Together gatherings. It's a message that introduces the Introducing Jesus series. So be inspired again by the wonder and the awe of the person of Jesus. Enjoy. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Josh, married to Alice. Uh, My little boy Levi is out with kids for the second service in a row. He came to me at the end of the first service and he said to me, Dada, time to pat down now. Oh no, we've got one more kid. He's very excited to pack the drums away. He's always up for helping and serving in the house. Uh, I don't know whether he's helpful or a nuisance, but the heart is good. And Ezra, our little one on the front row, six months, slept through my message last time. He's about to sleep through it again. Amen. And I get the opportunity and the privilege to open the Bible with us this afternoon, the last service in this building as we know it. And it just feels an immense honor to do so, uh, standing on the shoulders of giants and all of that kind of stuff. Um, Thank you, Pastor D, Pastor S, the privilege of allowing me to speak. Um, What an amazing example of leadership you guys are, empowering us. We're very grateful. Um, I have the privilege of starting our series that we're going to continue in our sites next week called Introducing Jesus. This morning we're in John 4. This is possibly one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, verses 3 through to 42. I'll read the majority of it with you. We're in the NLT. This is what it says. So he, Jesus, left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. As I thought, when I was a child, I thought it was some area. It's just a general piece of land. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well around noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where will you get this living water? 
And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? I said this in the first service, but I feel it's important to say again. I was reading this again last night as I was doing the last bits of prep for this morning. And I've read this passage of the Bible more times than I can count. And I can count up to at least eight. Um, And I've never been struck with this in the same way that I was as I was reading it last night. Jacob after whom the well is named, was the man who wrestled with God. And out of that, he was renamed Israel. Out of him, Israel, came the 12 tribes, of which Jesus, the Lion of Judah, is now sitting at this very well. And here, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, is sat at the site of Israel's well, about to open the gates of living water to the Gentiles. Out of the well of Israel comes abundant life for those who are not born into the family of Abraham. Oh, what a moment. Jesus is sat there and he knows this. He knows it. He's seen the journey. He's seen the beginning. He saw Jacob dig the well and he goes, one day I'm going to stand there and I'm going to proclaim that salvation is not just for the Jews. What a moment. I'm so thankful. Jesus replies to the woman, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never thirst. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. I really enjoy that in the middle of this conversation, Jesus affirms her for telling the truth rather than rejecting her for having five husbands. He doesn't, he doesn't focus in on her sin and her past and her mistakes. Rather, what he does is he said, you've been honest with me in the little that you've given away. He sees the detail. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. I've cut this bit out in the middle, but feel free to read it in your own time. They have a conversation about worship, and there's a great takeaway here because women at the time would not be allowed to sit at the feet of a rabbi and listen, but yet she sat there at the feet of the Messiah hearing about true and proper worship, something that her husband would have never yet heard. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, can you, can you picture the scene? I am the Messiah. Oh, what a moment. There's been 400 years of silence between the last prophetic words about the coming Christ and Jesus' conversation with this woman. And in a moment, everything changed. I wonder how she felt. The one that she's been waiting for, longing for, suddenly appears to her. If there's ever a mic drop moment in the Bible, it's this. Can you just... He's coming. I know he's coming. I don't know when he's coming, but I believe there's a Messiah. I am the Messiah. So I dropped an atomic bomb. Oh my goodness, the world will never look the same. There's only one place in Scripture that potentially has a better mic drop, and that is Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. If you know the passage, if you're a Christian and you've read it before, the story is one of them's already come in. We've given all that we have, all that we've received for the land. Lied. Dead. The best bit now best bit. It's a bit harsh to call it the best bit. Anyway, they've dragged, they've dragged that body out, body number one, high body count in this story. In comes person number two. Are you sure that that's all the money you've received from the land? Yeah, yeah it's all the money we've received from the land. The apostles. Um, body number one is already outside, and you will now join them. Dead. 
Whoa, what a mic drop moment. Very sad, but also pretty cool. Like the power, uh, not the power that they had, the power that Jesus gave them. Hallelujah, amen. Anyway, just then, in the first story, not Ananias and Sapphira, Jesus' disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? At that moment, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Fast forward a little, it says this, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Then they came out to see him. They begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know he indeed is the saviour of the world. Father, I pray over these next few minutes and moments that we have together, that you speak to me and through me. Would you receive all the glory, the honour and the praise? Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing and saying. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. I love going on a journey. For our honeymoon, Alice and I, which was now eight years ago, whoa, you're all thinking, wow, you don't look that old. None of you are thinking that. That's encouraging. We decided instead of spending lots of money on a flight, instead we'd spend a little bit of money on buying a second-hand car. We bought a Mazda MX-5, which we named Ruby. We decided to drive to Italy. We were incredibly ill-prepared. We had no map. We had no breakdown cover. We had booked no accommodation for the drive there or the return journey. And to be honest, I don't even know if I was legally old enough to drive in Europe. But we set off and the Lord kept us safe. We did a road trip a couple of years after that, again to Italy. That time did have breakdown cover, and that time did break down. Oh, it was sketchy. We were up one of the mountains in the Alps, and uh, the brake discs clamped shut, and it was very, very sweaty indeed. Anyway, on this trip, day one, France, no problem. It's been a breeze. Day two, Switzerland, lovely, beautiful views. Day three, Italy, and we're heading to our accommodation via Lake Como for a pit stop over lunch. Supposed to be one of the most breathtaking views in all of the world. It was decidedly average. Maybe that's just because it was an overcast day. And we put the details of the villa into our sat-nav, and the sat-nav said to us, we'll arrive at 8.15, last check-in, 9 p.m. Happy days, we'll make it on time, everything's going to be okay. And we arrived to our villa to see this absolutely glorious building, to get out of our car and realize that that was not actually our villa. And so what we did was we drove around in circles, hoping to speak to an Italian who spoke English. In fact, what we found in Italy, funny enough, was Italians who spoke Italian. It's very unhelpful for me. Do you know? Because that's what all British people do abroad, isn't it? We speak to them in English. Hello, do you know where this villa is? And if they don't understand, we say even louder, still in English. Hello! Yes, I can hear you. Anyway, I learned a phrase. I had a translation app on my phone. Sai dove la villa Argentina, per favore. Come on. Come on. To my dismay, nobody understood a word of what I said and nobody knew where our villa was. So we aimlessly drove around until we came to a moment where we were stuck and there was a cliff face on one side and a drop on the other and we didn't know what to do. At this point, Alice was looking on the sat-nav for nearby hotels and along came a little yellow Fiat. Drove up towards us and a guy got out of the Fiat and he said to us in Italian, are you looking for this villa? And then named the place where we're supposed to stay. 
Yes, yeah, we are, we are, we are, yeah. So we got in our car, he got in his car, and we followed him. He drove us to the gates of the villa complex, and then I promise you this is a true story. We got out of the car to say thank you to him, and the car and the man were just simply vanished. I believe that we were led to our honeymoon villa by an angel. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool, but that's not, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is to illustrate the journey of Jesus, but we'll get there in a moment. You see, when we tell the story of our honeymoon, we don't often talk about the destination. We don't often talk about the villa. We don't talk about the day out in Rome or Siena. What we talk about is the small Italian man in the little yellow Fiat in the middle of the story. Because often, the journey is more important than the destination. In this passage, Jesus is on a journey. He is headed from Judea to Galilee. What I find so interesting in this passage is that John writing says he had to go through Samaria. Now, if you do the research, he didn't have to. There were, in fact, two ways to get from Judea to Galilee, only one of which led through Samaria. So is, it, is it there a discrepancy in John's writing? Has he got something wrong? Or is he trying to emphasize the need for Jesus' mission, which was much more important than Jesus' navigation? I feel that he was trying to say he didn't have to go through Samaria, but he had to go through because the destination was going to be more important when he met the woman at the well in Sychar. And just to give you a bit of background for the passage that we're looking at this morning, Jews and Samaritans did not get on. So for Jesus to go through Samaria felt like a, an ill-made decision. As he said it to the boys that were following him, I imagine they would have been going, are you sure? You know they don't like us in that part of the world. There, there is another way. Jesus said we have to go. And there was a boundary line. There would have been an impasse that was passed down from generation to generation. The Samaritans hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. Uh, both were taught systematic racism from birth. They were brought up to despise and deject the other opposing culture. You see, Samaritans believed they had a right to the Messiah, but the Jews believed they did not. And there forms the impasse. Yet everything within Jesus required him to take the road less traveled. I want to say, if you feel in the room this morning that you are out of the reach of the love of God, I want to say that he came here just for you. Just like he had to go to Samaria to meet the woman at the well, he had to also come to the cross for you and I. You are not out of the reach of the love of God. Maybe you're here in the morning and you don't feel good enough. You're not. But Jesus is. It's not on your merit. It's not on my achievements. It's all on who he is. Maybe you feel ashamed of your past. You live in fear of your future. Well, so did this woman sat at the well and through her, her village, and then the generations after her were transformed. You see, Jesus worried little about cultural customs, social scripts, or religious restrictions. Rather, he cared about those who were cast out. He saved those who were shunned, and he restored those who have been rejected. This is who he is. I'm going to give you three thoughts from this passage, and I pray they make sense to you as we go through them together. My first thought for us is this, that Jesus sees her. If you're making notes, that's point number one. The passage says, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You see, this conversation with a Samaritan woman would have led Jesus to be condemned by the Jewish law. And the claim that he makes after this to be the Messiah was the very reason why those in Nazareth attempted to push him off the hillside in the book of Luke. But he went to Samaria just for her. 
Before Alice and I got married, we were headed to Nottingham to meet our photographer. And in the city centre, there was a man selling big issues. And you've seen them around, people that need to make some money in order to live. But you've also seen probably how a lot of secular culture, and at times us, if we're in a rush, treat these kind of people. And he was in the middle of Nottingham and he was shouting, big issue, big issue, and everybody just walked past. No one gave him any attention. Now, we had no money, and what we did next was not groundbreaking. I simply went to the man and I said, I'm really sorry, I have nothing to give you, but have a great day. And he turned around and he said to me, thank you for noticing me. And it chilled me in that moment and it lives with me now. We live in a society of people that long to be seen, that long to be noticed. And Jesus lived in the same society and yet he wanders all the way to this dangerous area to meet with one woman. Why? Because he sees her. I want to say that if you're sat in the room, if you don't know him this afternoon, he sees you and he knows you and he came from heaven through to ascension via the cross just for you. Jesus sees you. He said to the woman, go and get your husband. She responded, I don't have a husband. To which Jesus said, you're correct. You've had five husbands and you're not married to the man that you live with now. You certainly spoke the truth. You see, in Middle Eastern culture, a woman would not have the legal right to file for divorce. So the fact that she's had five husbands does not mean that she's finished with them. It means that they have told her that they are finished with her. She's been rejected by five different men on five different occasions. And now the man that she's currently living with and sleeping with does not even give her the dignity of being called wife. She is defiled, discarded, unwanted, and unmarried. And Jesus sees her mess and he chooses to sit with her in the middle of it anyway. Wherever you find yourself this afternoon, he sees you. He sees you. I wonder if there's someone in the room, and if I'm wrong on this, it's all right, but is there someone in the room, you, some of the story of this woman feels quite relevant to you. You were, you were abused by a family member at the age of five or six, and it's left a trauma in you that you can't quite shake. Um, I'm not asking you to put your hand up now or respond, but just in the quiet of this moment, I want to tell you that he sees you. And that he's here for you. And in the same way that he restored this woman, he wants to restore you. He wants to take you back to that moment and fix you and, and bring you to wholeness. But he's got a plan for your life that is not determined by your past. So if that is you, if you're in the room, would you come and find one of our prayer team at the end? We'd love to pray with you and journey through with you. Is that all right? Point number one for us this afternoon, he sees her. Point number two, he saves her. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Now she's been waiting, longing and hoping for one who would see her and love her. She's found failed affection in five different men. Yet along walks Jesus and in the middle of her mess, he sees it, but then he also brings her through to salvation. What she's looked for in human effort, what she's attempted to find in her own strength and understanding has not been possible until one encounter with Jesus. And here at the well of Israel, salvation is opened for the Gentiles. He saves her. He knows her past. He sees her shame. He loves her in the middle of it. See, this woman was condemned even by her own people, yet Jewish Jesus would die to pay the price of her sin to bring her restoration in the love of the Father. In one moment, she was transformed. If you've read the passage before, you may be aware, she used to go and draw water in the heat of the day. This was not to top up her tan. You know the phrase, mad dogs and Englishmen only go out in the midday sun. That's because it's actually hot in other parts of the world. 
She would have avoided. Normal society doesn't go out to draw water in the middle of the day. You go out to draw water in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. Yet she's here on her own, isolated, abandoned by her community. Yet one encounter with the Messiah sends her running back, shouting to the ones who condemned her, the ones who no longer wanted her. She is transformed in a moment. I believe the disciples would have told this story. Can you imagine the conversation between Peter and Mrs. Peter? How was the trip? Yeah, it was really good. We, we, we saw some cool things. Jesus did some amazing stuff. And then we went to this well in Samaria. And then Mrs. Peter goes, <gasps> Why did she go to Samaria? They don't like us there. And Peter goes, That was what I told Jesus, but he didn't seem to care. We went there and then we went out to get food because me and the boys were hungry because it's been a long walk. And you see, Jesus, he's not too fussed about eating real food because he only eats what his father gives him. But we went out to get food and then we came back and we find him talking to a Samaritan woman. And Mrs. Peter goes, they would have told the story. And then Peter says, you know, thinking about it, he, he did say that we had to go through Samaria. And I told him, I said, boss, there's two routes. One of them leads around. We don't have to go through. And he says, I've got a mission there. And then we got back and we find him talking with this woman at the well. And then believe it or not, she's had a load of husbands and her life's a mess. And hey, Mrs. Pete, you'll never guess this, but after she met Jesus, she ran back to her village and they all got saved. And then they fed us for free for two days. Whoa! You see, when we talk about our honeymoon, we don't often talk about the views. We don't often talk about the villa. We talk about the little Italian man in the yellow fit. I believe that this group of lads, after this trip, probably didn't talk too much about Judea. Probably didn't talk too much about Galilee. But when they were asked the question, they would have remembered the story of the rejected Samaritan woman by the well of Israel. The journey. I want to tell you that Jesus is still passing through. He's still passing through. He's passing through our city. He's passing through our nation. He's still walking on the face of our earth by the power of Holy Spirit embodied in the church. And he is still on a mission. He came here for you. You see, the journey of Christ was not just from Judea to Galilee via Samaria. But it was, in fact, from heaven to ascension via the cross. And this story gives us a beautiful glimpse of what's about to happen. In the same way he had to go to Samaria for the sake of this village, he also had to come to the cross for the sake of you and me. And this is who he is, fully God, fully man, the all-powerful creator and sustainer of the cosmos who was born in the body of a baby, destined to pass through the cross to open the door of relationship between God the Father and humanity. This is Jesus, the God who sees, the God who saves, the God who restores, and the God who heals. And in the same way that he saved her, he's here in the room, if you don't know him, to save you. Firstly, he sees her. Secondly, he saves her. Thirdly and lastly, as we come to land, he sends her. The woman left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? The passage goes on to say, many Samaritans in the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Her testimony transformed the lives of those within her village. She went from being someone who was scared to being someone who was sent. 
wonder, do you know him this afternoon? He wants to send you again. Relationship with Jesus is not just for your eternal salvation. It is. But it's that we can be sent to bring others to eternity with him. Her life was never the same after meeting Jesus. Her eternity was secured. Her past was covered. And her future was, for the first time, filled with promise. And the turnaround is utterly remarkable. We had a guy come into the city site about a year ago. uh, And he had a bit of a past. He was involved in a number of gangs and some drug-related stuff and he was currently awaiting trial. And he came to church and he found Jesus. And the transformation in his life was remarkable. When you see someone's life flipped upside down by the grace of God and suddenly feeling that they are sent instead of sentenced, let me tell you, everything begins to change. And he came to me at the back end of last year. He knew, he knew that he was going to prison. He knew that was, that, was, that was how the ruling was going to go. It had to go because of what he'd previously done. And he came to me and he said, can you baptize me? Because I want to go to prison knowing that I'm right with God and sent out to make a difference. And we got the privilege of baptizing him at the back end of last year. He called me on Saturday morning last week. The first time I've heard from him since he's been inside. And he said, Josh, it's not fun, but I'm here to make a difference. Come on. Because once we meet Jesus, we can never be the same. I want to tell you, if you're here in the room and you're sat on the fence, the fence is a destination. Indecision is your decision. Either you're in or you're out. Jesus says it himself, they're either for us or against us. Where do you sit this morning? The Samaritan lady, rejected, defiled, abused, abandoned, became the first biblically documented evangelist. A woman who was uneducated, despised, who the Jews would have said had no share and no right to the Messiah, brings absolute transformation to her town, her community, and the Gentile world from that moment forwards. He saves her, and then he sends her. If you know Jesus this afternoon, let me encourage you, we are called to go. That's why we celebrated at the start of the message the guys in the CU who are about to do events week. Doing what they can to make a difference. I wonder what about you and I in our places of work, in our influence, in our families, with our friendships, in our football clubs. He sees her, he saves her, he sends her. That's my place of influence. What's yours? What is your Samaria? Not Samaria but Samaria, where you are deliberately sent and called by the purpose of God to make a difference. Some of you in the room work in education, work in the NHS. Some of you in the room may be working on the bins. Come on, you are sent to an area to make a difference for such a time as this because wide is a path that leads to destruction and many find it. called to show people the narrow way I wonder maybe you need a new commissioning this morning not a new commission what it says in Matthew 28 is more than sufficient go into the world and make disciples that's your call that's why we're still on earth that's why we're not transformed and transported to heaven when he finds us the world around you is heading to a lost eternity and we hold the key to eternal life I wonder do you need to be sent again church this morning let's be bolder than we've ever been before 
Let's take more risks in our faith. He's the God who sees you, he saves you, and he sends you. I wonder all around the room, just for a moment as we respond, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes? It's not for any religious reason. It's just to protect the privacy of the people around you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to two things. Firstly, maybe you need to come to him to find your salvation this morning. Either you don't know Jesus at all, and maybe this is your first experience in church. I pray that you've had a great time with us, if it is. But you're here, and he is here for you. And maybe you used to walk with God, but you've lost your way. You've been caught up in some stuff and you've found yourself drifting. I want to say that this morning, he is here for you to bring you in, to bring you home, to restore you, to then send you again. So if you're not a Christian or a long way from God, I'm going to give you a chance to say, I'm in. I want this Jesus, the source of eternal life, the source of living water, who's going to transform me from the inside out. I want him. I'm going to give you the chance to respond. And secondly, if you are here and you are a Christian, you are a follower of Jesus and maybe you're getting excited about being sent again, then I'm gonna give all of us a chance to respond as well. You see, this Jesus who sat by the well of Israel with the Samaritan woman to open the gates of salvation for those who are Gentiles, went on a journey from heaven to ascension via the cross. Now the story and the understanding of Christianity is incredibly simple. God at the beginning, out of his love, made humankind for relationship and in relationship. At the beginning, he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden and they lived together. And then Genesis tells us that sin entered the world. Now sin is anything that I do that is contrary to his will and his agenda. It's about independence. The root of sin is independence. I choose, I want, I need regardless of what he says. And when sin entered the world, it caused a fracture in the relationship between God and between humanity. Because God is perfect, he can't be near anything imperfect, but because he so desperately loves the ones he created, he could never look away. God gave his people rules to live by, and if you obeyed each one of these, you'd attain the status of perfect, and then we could have relationship, because perfection can be near perfection again, but it just was never the case, because humanity keeps on messing up. And then enter Jesus. The man sat here by the side of the well, ready to lead this broken, beaten woman into a relationship with her heavenly father for which she has craved and longed. He is the same Jesus who died on a cross to carry your sin, your shame, my mistakes, my errors. The Bible tells us that the penalty for sin or the wages of sin is death. You and I deserve to die for the wrong that we do. But Jesus died to pay the price that we could never fulfill. The passage goes on to say, but the gift of God, the gift, free gift, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and because of his resurrection, when the Father looks at you, if you choose to accept Jesus, he doesn't see you and I as our sins deserve, rather he sees us as a righteousness and the perfection of Christ, so that once more perfect God and perfect humanity can come together through the sacrifice and atoning death of Jesus. That's the gospel. But we all have a decision to make. Yes, God, I want the gift that you've given. Or I'm content to walk on my own. Jesus also says this, that if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. 
See, coming to Jesus through the cross is not just about him being your savior. It's also about being your Lord, your King, the one who then dictates your steps. If you're in the room this morning, this afternoon, and you're not yet a Christian, or you're used to walk with God and you've lost your way, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up in your seat. There's just a couple of my team looking so we can know. And then we're going to pray for you. And by standing, what you're saying is, I want to get myself right with God this afternoon. I want to make a decision to say yes to Jesus and accept the eternal life that he brings. So I'm simply going to count from three to one. And if that's you, not a Christian or a long way from God, and this afternoon you're saying, yes, I want this Jesus, then stand when I get to one. Are you ready? If that's you, three, two, one. Why don't you stand right now if that's you? Got you, buddy. Well done. See you over there. Well done. See you, mate. Well done. Is there anyone else this morning, this afternoon before we pray? You're a long way from God or you've never met him. Well done, I see you. Is there anybody else? One last opportunity before we pray. Well done, guys. Well done, well done, well done, well done. I see he came here for you, but without knowing that you came here to meet with him. And the same God who loves that woman is the same God who loves you. And just as he transforms her, he wants to transform you from the inside out. Why don't you pray this with me if you're able to do so, either internally or externally. In fact, church, why don't we all pray this together to encourage those who are standing. Say this out loud with me. Thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you that you know me, that you see me. Thank you for Jesus. Today I understand that I have done wrong and it has a price to pay. Today I accept the gift of Jesus. Come into my life. Be my God, my Savior, and my King. I give you me. Amen. Why don't you give these guys a round of applause? Well done for being brave this morning. Feel free to take your seats. If you stood up there, we want to pray with you at the end. And lastly, if you're a Christian in the room, the response for us together is really simple. I'm excited to be sent again. I am also very frustrated that Alice has more recent stories of her sharing the gospel than I do. I need to be sent again. Maybe you need to be sent again. She came in from going to the dentist the other day. She took Ezra and Levi with her. And on the way back from the dentist, they went to Starbucks. And in walks this elderly man. And somehow they have an hour-long conversation while Levi's just sitting there eating cake. And Ezra seems quite content with a dummy. And then Alice eventually talks to this man about Jesus and then gets him signed up to go to Odeby. That's pretty cool. Let's be a sent people. I want, I want to tell more stories. Maybe that's your heart this morning. You know Jesus and I'm going to ask you if you know him and you want to say, I'm going to go out and be sent to make a difference. Why don't you stand to your feet if that's your heart this morning. Well, let me pray for us before I pass back over to Pastor DNS and we celebrate a moment. Father, thank you that you send us out. As you've had written in Matthew 
to make disciples of all nations. Lord, thank you that all the nations in the earth are on our doorstep and you send us to go to make a difference. Why don't you put your hands in front of you? Father, I ask right now that you give a boldness to go. Just as that woman at the well was transformed in a moment, having seen you and having been saved by you, she then became sent by you. Father, would you thank you that you see us. Thank you that you save us. But Lord, send us out again. Lord, give us a passion and a desperation for the lost in our workplaces, in our universities, in our families, in our football teams, in our sports societies. Lord, give us a burden for lost people that we wouldn't be able to shake it. Lord, as you wake us up in the morning, feeling called to make a difference. Father, we say yes to you again. We say yes to being the people that you sent. In Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Thank you, Josh. What a powerful message. Now next week, wherever you are, get ready for the second part of our Introducing Jesus series. But for now, maybe there's something that was said today that really struck a chord with you. And if you'd like to respond in any way, know that we're here. Get in touch with us by email, call, or let someone know. We would love to pray with you and support you in your journey with Jesus. And now, we want to keep you updated with what's happening in church life. So here's your family news for... One, two, three, four! The renovations at 10 Frog Island have begun, and the One Centre is about to be transformed. If you'd like to stay up to date, we'll be posting some photos each week to a shared drive. And if you need the link to that, just ask today, because we'd love you to stay in touch with what is going on and the changes that are taking place. Next week, we gather in every one of our One Church sites, five sites with seven services, and we're believing for amazing things. So we hope to see you in person in Braunston, Central, City, North, or Oadby. On the 17th of February, we have United Young Adults as we gather with churches from around the county for a night of encounter, worship and growth together. So if you are of the age 18 to 25 and want to know more, just ask and we'd love to welcome you on the 17th of February. And finally, Schools Out, our half-term holiday clubs are coming up in the February half-term. From the 21st to the 23rd of February, we would love you to come, invite any children that you know who are in primary school. You can come and volunteer. And if you're not able to come, then why not be praying that we see amazing moments of Jesus impacting the lives of children and families all around Leicestershire this half-term. And that is your Family News 4. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.